recording. See the reels. Okay, well, I'm sitting down here today with Tim Spindle, who's the virtual librarian from the Metropolitan Library System here in Oklahoma City. And first of all, I'd like to say thank you for joining me today. Welcome. And I want to start out by asking you, what is a virtual librarian? Well, uh, the job uh, really involves a lot of <coughs> work with uh, supporting the library's digital presence. So it's everything from content creation and maintenance and administration of the website and also the intranet for staff. Um, it's providing support for staff and for the public in using the library's ebook and audiobook collections, the downloadable stuff, um, digital magazines, uh, downloadable music, um, databases. It's working with <clears throat> material selection to evaluate adding digital content to the system. So where do we have holes? Where do we have opportunities to grow or to reach customers where we're not doing it? Do we you know, want to evaluate uh, another uh, ebook and audiobook provider? Do we want to evaluate streaming video providers? Um, maybe somebody who has a comic book collection, streaming comics. It's finding out how we can um, um, use this content add this content uh, to reach customers so they can use the library without having to worry about driving to a physical location the hours were open or getting us on a holiday or on an off Tuesday when we're closed for all-day staff training uh, part of the job also involves trying well, working with others to try and create uh, engaging co content for our uh, social media channels which are currently primarily Facebook Twitter uh, and Instagram I also work with staff on a personalized reader's advisory service called Tailored Titles. So the public can subscribe to newsletters, electronic newsletters, over a couple dozen different genres for, to see the new and recently released titles in, for those genres. They can also complete a reading interest survey online so that one of our content specialists, as we call them, can create a personalized reading list just for them based on their input and we can kind of go back and forth with them and refine the list if they say I like this can I have more of these or I've already read these or I want less of these we've also created what are basically bibliographies as part of Taylor titles over topics of interest from managing finances to uh, divorce, divorce with children, bullying there, there are a number of different topics we have that provide lists of uh, library and community resources so if somebody comes to the desk and is asking for pregnancy books we can say hey we also have this handout so you can see not only what we have as a number of titles over this topic across the system we can show you uh, a number of community resources that community I'm gonna say partners but uh, those in the community who might be able to help or provide support or more information and in addition we can walk you to the shelves and show you where this is and how did you get here how did you come to be in the virtual librarian here what was your career path like well I originally started out my working career uh, at an IT help desk and uh, did that for a while and just kind of grew to be unhappy with doing only that work it was very I felt for me it was very limiting and the people I knew who had gone to uh, library school before me and who were working librarians thought I'd be a good fit to be a librarian. 
um, a number, the majority of people who come into the library world come from humanities backgrounds. And I had a stronger than average tech background, so I thought there was an opportunity for me to use those tech skills um, to help the public and to help the staff. Um, speaking that language, so to speak, uh, wasn't as high of a barrier for me as it was for others. And I could also work with coworkers to kind of, in the sense of a rising tide lifts all boats, kind of help them strengthen their own skills and figure out how to tell the story of the library through some of our tech offerings and through um, when we talk about support to customers, you know, um, kind of helping staff ease that anxiety, um, you know, and understand that providing this kind of support is what we've always done. So you don't know probably what the newest book by this particular author is, but you do know how to access the catalog and you do know how to search for it and you do know how to read the Dewey number on the shelf where it's located. Uh, you don't know how to um, how a particular stock is doing today but you do know where to find our value line database and you do know to search for that stock in there and you can kind of it, it's not knowing the information as much as it is knowing the resources so I think with technology there is a huge burden put upon people by society, by family members especially, to say, oh no, this will be easy, you can use this here, we do it all the time. And that's kind of all they're given. And the expectation like, no, well you should adapt, you should be able to do this. You know, if you're, you know, somebody's going to feel intimidated and made to feel stupid out of the gate, they're just not going to do it. So it was our job to step in and or I, or I think it's a, a job in a position like this, a duty, to um, step in to support staff, to help them buy into the idea that this is really just putting yourself in touch with the resources. It's putting the public in touch with these resources, too. You don't have to have the specific answer, but you need to know that Overdrive has a help site, and here's how you can get to it, and then you can search for this specific error message right. and to determine there is you know a fix for it online okay. now, how would you describe the library's social media strategy well the there's not a overarching document that guides us uh, there are three current departments marketing and communications which is one department the digital library and our outreach department who collaborate on social media so um, marketing in uh, doing the monthly uh, magazine of events that they, they publish alongside other articles with book reviews or uh, other pieces highlighting parts of our collection. Um, they do have themes for the months, what they're promoting, like what, what electronic resource or database they're promoting. Um, the, that department, the staff, they're down to kind of bare bones. The staff position that is devoted to doing social media is currently empty. So. They haven't been generating a lot of content themselves, um, which has sort of fallen to me and the person from outreach to sort of kind of fill in the gaps. But it's also led to talks of expanding the social media team so that maybe maybe by adding more diverse voices to the team, we can kind of gear, uh, gear up that content generation, uh, looking at new ideas. 
um, and also spreading that workload and increasing it so we can increase the output and re the regularity. We're, we're still pretty really good about being regularly posting um, at least weekly, if not daily, if not multiple times daily, depending on the channel, social media channel. And talking a little bit off of uh, potentially expanding the social media staff, how, do you feel like you get much support from the library's leadership? Uh, somewhat, yeah. Um, one of the members of the this digital strategies team who meets is the head of marketing. She's on the executive leadership team, so there's buy-in from her. I know the uh, the executive director, I, I, I haven't met with him one way or the other to, to hear his take on it. Um, the deputy director uh, has supported us. Um, she, whenever I came on board, had mentioned to me personally a couple of times, oh, that question was really great. That post was really great. That was, you know, that was really good and engaging. My husband even said, hey, this is great content. And I think it's it was just proof of, of a way of, you know, if you bring more people on, there's more opportunities for um, diversity, more chances for success, more uh, creative brains to uh, generate these kind of uh, creative posts that make for good, engaging social media content. And what would you say are some of the unique challenges of maintaining social media for library with 19 different branches? Well, there's always a um, kind of a, a back and forth between um, branches wanting to have their um, individual programs and events promoted. Uh, right now we just maintain one main page for the entire system on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, um, on we, a page on each uh, social media platform. So it's kind of a balance in negotiating with staff to promote their events, but also to have that communication, the conversation with them to say, you know, historically our, our trends have shown that one-way posts that are only intended to be ads for our programs do not, aren't received well by the public. And our fear is, you know, by, by crying wolf so often in publishing those kinds of posts, we will actually drive away people from wanting to follow the library because we're not posting creative engaging content whereby we're, we're looking to initiate a conversation or we're looking to do it in a way that uh, you know did you know the library can help you save money here's how we can do it we have DIY books we have this program on making your own soap we have um, uh, programs on managing your finances uh, we have digital magazines that you can download and keep forever so you can cancel your print subscriptions uh, it's 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 packaging and marketing the library in a way that is relevant and current and important in in people's lives. In, instead of just saying you know, hey, we've got a program. We hope to see you there. To say, you know, are you looking to not break the bank this Christmas? Well, you know, uh, handmade gifts are always well received. You know, come and learn how to make whatever particular whatever particular gift of this program we're hosting in November and December. Um, you know, we can help you use our Consumer Reports database subscription to you know, find the best deal on that new car that you're looking for so that you're, you, know, you have as much information as possible going into that transaction. Trying to make the library relevant and current and actionable in people's lives instead of just being, you know, a, a, a geographically disparate set of 
bookshelves where you just have to go in when the library is open between specified hours and hope you can find the title there that you're looking for or at least somebody helpful to help you find it. And currently, uh, the Library of Social Media is acting as single channel platforms uh, posting as the library system versus mm -hmm. uh, separate branches. Um, do you feel like that's the best way to go or would it be better for individual branches to have their own platform? Uh, you know, I, it depends on the avenue. So Facebook in the last couple of years has, for organizations who have a Facebook page with an uppercase P, they have throttled the reach that their, that their posts on average will reach customers. So previously where a post day would reach thousands of customers, that post now reaches only 10% of those people. And if those 10% don't actively engage with the post, like it, share it, comment on it, um, then it will just sort of die on the vine. Um, if those people do, it's it, Facebook's algorithm is set up to make it sort of like a snowball rolling downhill, so then it will expose it to more people in the hopes that they will engage it. You know, I just don't know how many followers a particular library branch could have for that. Mm -hmm. um, whereas, uh, you know, in doing that, though, in opening it up to branches, you are bringing people on board and adding diversity uh, to... Uh, to creating posts and showing, you know, especially visually engaging content from that library so you can see the faces of the staff at your local library. Um, but it, one of the things I know that um, one of the uh, consultants that the system has employed is urging is um, email communication. So um, I know that that, that probably is I think a viable alternative to having branches set up their own social media page because while we don't know who wants to follow the village on social media we can see who has an email on record and who uses the village and who has opted to say yeah I'd like to be kept abreast of library events and ongoings well yeah well there we go we've got 16,000 emails right there I mean, I, I don't know what the number is, but, you know, I think if you can recreate that across the system, all of a sudden, you are hitting the inbox of thousands of people in one stroke, guaranteed. Now, whether they see it, whether um, they act on it, you know, that, I, that can't be said. I think that's driven by creative content generation in those messages. Um, and I think that gets, that gets a branch's message out to more people more quickly than it does that the time it would take to build a following on a social media channel. Okay. Now speaking of social media channels, you mentioned uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter being the primary ones the library uses. How do you approach each of those differently? Well, we, we tend to think that the um, Instagram, uh, our demographics there are the youngest average age. Um, basically, a lot of that is uh, considering those we follow on Instagram as the library and seeing our own users uh, on staff uh, they tend to be younger <clears throat> Instagram is uh, primarily visually appealing so it's not so much about the content the caption you put on the photo as it is uh, what's in the photo what you take of it Twitter we think tends to skew a little older um, it's not there are still younger people using it but it is also used by um, a little bit older of a set 20s to 30s 
Um, and then Facebook is primarily everything above that. I mean, I think our average Facebook user is a 25 to 54 year old woman, but um, Facebook has uh, like the highest percentage of, and this is universal for Facebook, the highest percentage of baby boomers using it uh, versus those other platforms. So we can sort of, you know, look at the demographics that Facebook provides us and we can sometimes tailor some of our messages specifically to what we think are audiences that would be interested in it. Um, so it's not so much take one thing and, and push it out exactly the same across all three channels because then, you know, if somebody's following us on one or more, that kind of makes the message less authentic just because it looks like you're kind of just copying and pasting all across. But um, I will say that we, we are... Uh, we do push to promote, for example, we have a number of staff across the system who write blog posts for the library's website. We, do, we then um, take those posts and share them to Facebook and Twitter because those posts are, uh, you know, usually they're about, about a variety of topics. They are, they always tie back to marketing how the library can help you find more information about these topics or how the library can help you you and your family save money through our DIY programming and through our subscription to digital music catalog and digital magazines that you can download and not have to pay for. Um, that content we will share to social media because it's not only relevant to, it's not only engaging content, a lot of times it's relevant to our customers' lives and it puts a local face on library service through this digital platform. So. Whereas, uh, you know, somebody like um, Margo, who works in our cataloging department, never interacts with somebody in the public, she's a really good, really funny, creative, engaging blogger. So she can kind of create her own following, uh, which is reflective in how many people tend to share her posts and how many people tend to comment on them. Right. So it's a way for us to to use <coughs> this deep and wide pool of talent we have employed at the library to consistently put a human, approachable human face on the library and on library services. Oh. And can you tell us a little bit about maybe a few social media campaigns that you felt were particularly successful? Yeah, one of the ones we've, we had a couple on Twitter, uh, only one was really somewhat literary related. So on July 4th, when it was announced that Kevin Durant was leaving the Oklahoma City Thunder to go play for the Golden State Warriors, <coughs> uh, we, uh, I had found a uh, gif of a, uh, of a character from Arrested Development sort of crying in the shower, which was, it was, it was a funny image in and of itself. Uh, but then we, we used uh, something along the lines of the post of, you know, if you need, if you need help uh, coping with loss or with grief, we have books, or we're here for you, we have books that will help. Uh, this was immediately after the Britain's vote to leave uh, the EU, which was tagged Brexit, so we created sort of the hashtag Directsit, and because it was July 4th, and a lot of people were using social media more than normal, and we put out this really current, topical, funny, engaging post, it just exploded. Um, we had uh, state legislators, uh, retweeting it and like this is how you do social media it's just an incredibly kind compliment yeah. from anybody um, we also had another one the, the Barnes and Noble the official Barnes and Noble Twitter account for Father's Day was soliciting um, accounts to do dad related puns for books 
So uh, it was everything from, I mean, some of the ones I can't remember, was where the sidewalk ends, that's where you stop mowing. Uh, one of the ones we did was, or the one we did was uh, a play on the Who Moved My Cheese series was Who Moved My Thermostat, and it had a, a picture of Rob Ford, who was you know, the former mayor of Toronto, so he was uh, made uh, uh, quite a, a note for himself being in the media a lot with uh, unflattering videos and statements. It was sort of just somebody had made a small, short clip of him with you know smoke coming out of his ears, firing his eyes. So that one was, I think, actually even retweeted by the official Barnes and Noble account. So it's it's showing currency and relevancy in your library, which when you first kind of start with social media, you would think, well, why would I do this? This has nothing to do with our system. Like, well, you're right, but guess what? As you tend to do more and more posts that whether they are explicitly about what you offer or they are about something relevant and topical, but it's not, you know, you're not just like retweeting news stories about the election leading up to it like you might on a personal account. Um, uh, I think you can, you build social goodwill and you build support out there among your followers. And, you know, ideally, maybe we can even get to that conversation where they say, God, I haven't used the library in a long time. They keep, you know, they keep catching, we keep catching their eye with good stuff. And then maybe a post comes along where we say, hey, haven't, you know, haven't seen us in a while. You can get a card online right here and start using it immediately. And like, oh, great. I don't have to go. I don't have to take, find time in my schedule to drive to the library and get this card and go through the, jump through these hoops. I can get in and get started right now here at home when technically all the libraries are closed and I can get online and I can start putting stuff on hold and I can start using the databases. It's reaching people at the speed of their life, which if libraries are going to survive, that's what they have to do. They have to, they have to adapt to see how they're, how they fit, uh, within society and within, um, everybody's lives in society. Uh, and my final question here would be, what, what do you feel the future holds for social media? Where is it headed? You know, I, I'm sure there will be some overlap with augmented reality and virtual reality. Uh, we've already seen the augmented reality with Pokemon Go. You know, I know that people have actually come into the library to do it, to play it. And I mean, that's sort of kind of like walking into the trap. Like, hey, let's get our hooks in you. How's that card? Is it up to date? Do you know we have downloadable magazines? Whatever it is. Um, Maybe there's components, you know, maybe there will be some sort of a device and add-in to your tablet or your phone, or maybe it's just going to be eyeglasses or, a, you know, something else you could wear on your body that um, we could, <coughs> um, maybe it's a device on, well, yeah, like your watch or a personal fitness band is to, to buzz you whenever you have items coming due or overdue. Uh, maybe what we can do with one of these sensory devices is push out the scent of, you know, old books to remind you, hey, have you seen this lately? Have you stopped by? Um, maybe they can build in more face-to-face uh, -face video components so that, you know, if somebody is visiting one of our social media pages and they need help, they can click it and then we'll pop up in a window for support. So similar to how that happens on uh, uh, the Kindle Fire, where they have a that component called Mayday, where they've just hired out people to be video customer support, and these people can reach out and remotely help them with their Kindles. Maybe, maybe that's a, another avenue that we can use social media so that we could set up this video 
support for the library and we could maybe do some co-browsing and show them our screen and say well here's how you can get to our lynda.com subscription and then when you go in here you can look and see and I actually did look and see that in Lynda we have uh, social media for nonprofit uh, uh, well programs training series mm -hmm. in there there's a number of them uh, when I was looking at them yesterday in preparation for this to see what we had on uh, the topic of social media for nonprofits. Um, so it's, I, you know, I'm not entirely sure. I don't, I don't know that any of these big social media platforms are going to fail of these, what I'm calling the big three. I know Snapchat's very popular right now too. A lot of libraries are trying to figure out a place for it, how to use it. Mm -hmm. uh, I know at least for us, we, ch we just need people. We, yeah. need, we need more people to be able to effectively do it. Right. Um, we would never build uh, a library branch and then under or not staff it. And we can't do the same thing with social media where we just put a page up and we don't respond to customers and we don't post ourselves for week, days, weeks at a time. We, we just can't put out content like that and let it die in the vine because that will burn... Um, you know, it's critically important to keep that goodwill going to constantly add engaged people, people who will engage with your content and who like it and build that, build the following, build that user base. And if you just put it out there and let it die, then they're just going to drop you. And I think for libraries to continue to um, package and market themselves or to show like, here's how we are still relevant mm -hmm. to your lives. You know, sure, it is insanely easy to tap a button and online and buy a book whether it's in print or digital format but odds are you're gonna get this same book and you're gonna get it for free from us well I say for free you're probably paying property taxes already to support you know the ability to get this book for free right there are trade-offs obviously um, with library use but that doesn't mean that we can't for example bring along um, other digital content providers so to say you know what maybe this is the opportunity for you to give ebooks a try it doesn't require any special software you just tap it and read it and then you can take it on vacation without you know where you only pack your one tablet instead of packing seven giant hardback books and you know weighing down your carry-on you know you've got your ipad and that's it right okay well i'd like to thank you again for sitting down with me and talking a little bit about social media you bet